everybody, and welcome to episode 24 of the Aquascaping Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Art. Check us out at aquascapingpodcast.com. All the episodes are also available on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. My hardscape material came in the mail. I got a big box of Manzanita driftwood. And I have to say, it's really fun to work with. I got a bunch of, you know, it's just various sizes and shapes. And it's really easy to create something that looks good. And, you know, that really drives home the point to me that uh, hardscape material really does make a huge difference. So, you know, if you're trying to save money or you're trying to find rocks in your yard like I did previously, you know, you can do it, of course, but if you invest in some really good hardscape material, you can just do so much more and you're going to have it in the long run. You can use it for different aquascapes. So yeah, it's worth getting something good. If anybody out there has some Hemianthus Monte Carlo, they'd like to trade for some stems. I got a whole bunch in my current aquascape that I'm willing to trade. Yeah, I don't know what to do with them. They're not going to work out in this next design that I have and I just have so many of them. So any anybody out there in the US who wants some stems, Uh, Just send me an email, aquascapingpodcast at gmail.com, and uh, we'll work it out. All right, we have a whole bunch of stuff coming up here on the show. I have an entire notebook full of ideas. I have some segments that Sean recorded uh, and some interviews coming up. So there's a lot more coming in the future, so stay tuned. Joining us this week is Jeff Miyake, an aquascaper from the United States who scored 62nd this year in the IAPLC. So I'm really proud to have somebody here on my home ground in the United States scoring so highly in that contest. He's a really fun guy. He had a lot to say. I had a good time speaking with him, and I think we'll have him back uh, in the future here on the show. So let's jump over to our conversation with Jeff. Sixty-two. Yes. Wow. Yeah, I just got my certificate in the mail from ADA. That was a nice surprise. I wasn't expecting uh, anything outside the letter. Uh, how did you know when it was time to stop tweaking it and, and to just run with it? Oh, that was pretty easy because uh, it was basically the deadline. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I could have used probably a few more weeks. Wow. And what was your initial inspiration for that, Scape? Uh, it's, it's pretty interesting because I actually went through three different aquascapes for that contest. The first two failed. And when you say fail, what do you mean by that? Well, the uh, the very first scape, I was going to do more of a... Um, you know, a tree trunk forest aquascape and the rocks I had selected, I got them from the local rock yard and they were leaching something into the water and it was creating all sorts of um, rhizoclonium algae and I just couldn't get it under control. I didn't know what the source was. It took me a while to figure out it was the rocks. So, uh, and there was probably about 300 pounds of that rock in the tank. Yeah. So it was making quite the mess. So I had to knock it down, rip it all apart, uh, and set up the scape over using different materials. Wow, that must that must have been a huge bummer. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. I, I like to to finish my aquascapes, and it was looking really great. And it was only probably two months old, but it was apparent that I, I there was no way I could control that rhizoclonium.
So it came down and I set up the next scape using um, predominantly branch wood. And that was a, a great looking tank too. And it only made it about two months before I ended up actually breaking it. There was so much wood in the tank and it was so complex. I went to do maintenance one morning. It was Sunday morning and in the front right corner, I was trying to get my hands down into that front right corner to do some tweaking. Ended up shifting a piece of wood and when I took it out, a bunch of the other wood kind of um, slid and pulled up all of my plants. They kind of like just uprooted everything on the one half of the tank. And it was it was over from there. You know, it's like pulling a thread on a sweater. You're just done. It was uh, it was a low moment, and uh, I was in my office where my tanks are, trying to fix this. And I was half the tank was on the floor, and I didn't. You know, usually you prep to take a tank down. You have tarps and buckets and all that stuff everywhere. I had nothing. So all I was doing was a little tweaking. So I had stuff everywhere. And my wife walked into the office. She's like, what What are you doing? And she just looks at the floor and she just turns around and leaves. <laughs> I was feeling really low at that point, uh, almost to the point of tears. Oh, man. I'm like, what have I done? Because I was very short on time. Ended up taking the whole tank apart, and I came back at it the next day, and uh, and then put it together my number sixty two ranking. Wow! Do you, do you think that the the trouble that you had gave you like an extra push? Uh, do you think that it was actually uh, when looking back on it? Do you think it was kind of a blessing in disguise? Yeah, it was interesting because that evening uh, I was actually inspired. Uh, I went back to Amano's work and really, you know, was looking for inspiration because I was at a low point. And uh, with him passing, I really wanted to make something, you know, in tribute to, you know, everything that he's given us. So uh, that's where I came up with the tank. I had all the plants grown out and had all this driftwood. I really wanted to make like a gateway, a nature gateway to the afterlife. And I named the tank Remembrance and I lined the gateway, the path to the distance with Anubias, which are named after the uh, Egyptian god Anubis who is the god of the afterlife. So wow. I kind of tied all that together and uh, actually made a little TA out of driftwood and moss and set that in the corner of the tank. And just, you know, the whole thing was just a tribute to, you know, to him and everything that he's given us. So uh, it was pretty cool. It, it came together. So yeah, in that respect, you know, it went from a very low point to a very high point. It's been a steady process. I don't think I've had any real leaps. When I first started, that was an aha moment. Uh, and that was stumbling across Amano's work. You know, looking at my planet tank and then looking at what he was putting out, I, I knew, you know, that was like, huh, I'm doing something wrong. I, I need to figure out how he's doing this and really emulate what he's doing because his tanks were 
beautiful, you know. And then since then, it's just been a, just a real steady process of learning and, and experiencing uh, as you set up each tank and knock it down and set the next one. It's just a continual process, getting a little bit better every time. Right. And what do you think it is about uh, Amano's work? I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a beginner here, so I'm, I'm kind of looking at it from sort of the outside, I guess. But um, I've noticed with Amano's work, it, it's, it's, it's almost like a balance between art and nature. You could look at it as a literal underwater scape, but you can also just look at it like a piece of artwork. Um, but, that, but that's just my take. But what is, what, what's your you know, idea of what Amano's doing and what you were chasing after? Yeah, I really I agree with what you said there. He really strikes a balance where it is a piece of art, yet it does look like it belongs underwater. I tend to make my scapes the same way, um, really try to showcase the fish and, and really try to balance the plants, the hardscape and the negative space. Yeah, right. Yeah, negative space. And actually, Sean was uh, was talking about that uh, recently uh, to me as well. And um, how, how do you use negative space or how do you, especially for a beginner, how do you learn to look out for negative space and then use it? Yeah, negative space really is, you know, first of all, it, it's the, the place where your fish are going to be swimming. Where do you want your fish in the tank? It, you know, it's, it's that empty space. It's, it's, you know, it's hard to explain. It's kind of cool that, that you that you mentioned the fish. I'd never thought of it that way. Is that that's most likely going to be the focal point to have your fish uh, shown in the in the final fo- uh, photograph? Yeah, it really is. So um, it really comes back to the fish. Um, you know, as great as the you know hardscape and the plants and all that stuff are, it's still a fish tank, in my opinion. All right, for those of you who have been following along with the show, you know I've been asking everybody the same question about plants and what their least favorite plant is, and it's kind of funny that everybody has the same answer. Well, let's see what Jeff had to say. There's one I avoid, and that's Rickia, and that's just because it's invasive. It's it's especially if you have moss in the tank, you're you're going to have Rickia all over the place, and it grows so quickly. It, it, it's it's too hard to control. It's a beautiful plant, so I don't dislike it, but it, especially for beginners, stay stay away from it. Do you do the photography for, uh, do you do your final uh, photography shots? I, I do my own photography. Yes, I do. You know, I've added a second hobby to my first hobby and it complements perfectly. So I've really never been into photography until I got into aquascaping. Well, let me ask you this. What's the lighting uh, like that you use for your, your photography? Is it just the aquarium lights or do you set up uh, exterior lights? Yeah, I actually do both. It depends on the aquascape. Lighting is the trickiest part for me. I don't have off-camera flash. I do have three inexpensive flashes that I can set up. And typically what I'll do is I'll raise my LED lights above the tank. They're on suspension cables that can be raised and lowered. And I'll raise it up as high as I can get. And then I'll stick a couple of flashes off of those pointing down for even coverage across the tank. And then I'll stick either a third pointed at the wall in the back uh, from above or below. 
depending on how I want the scene to look, uh, to backlight it. And then for those shots where I just want to use my LEDs, um, I'll lower the LEDs as close as I can get to the water to brighten the scene. And then I have my tank always backlit every day with another LED bar. So I will have that on as well, so it'll be backlit, and then I'll take the photos that way. So you're going for a nice, evenly lit top light from directly above and a backlight. Now, how much space do you have between the wall and your aquarium? I'd say it's probably about four inches. Okay, so you leave you, you do you leave that space on purpose on purpose specifically for lighting? That and maintenance. Um, but I would like to have more, but my office is pretty tight. But the, the trick for me really to get nice, a background look, my first IAPLC entry, if you'll see the background is more gray and my walls are gray. So when I upgraded tanks, I actually painted the wall behind where the tank sits white. And that gives that, that gives you that more bright look. And obviously it's easier to, to white it out with, uh, with lights. Exactly. And it's, it doesn't change the color of the, the, the background at all. So, you know, you can give it a little blue tinge with your LEDs or, you know, however you want to make it look. Uh, the other thing I do is I have a frosted window film adhered to the back of the tank so that you don't actually see the wall. It obscures it. As far as, uh, I'm not actually sure what the rules are in the IAPLC as, as far as Photoshop goes. What's your take on Photoshop uh, in aquascaping, I guess in general, but more specifically in a contest and if, if you can use it? You know, and I'm not talking about big, huge things where you're, you know, adding a hardscape or, or something crazy like that. But uh, maybe if there's like a little bit of algae here, a little bit of algae there, or there's a little spot that you got to get rid of. Um, uh, no, yeah, no, no way. No spot removal. If you had a snail in the glass during the photo shoot, it's there. It should stay there. The only things that should be changed really are your uh, exposure, your contrast, um, level the tank, you'll straighten it, crop it, you know, so that, that's about it. Yeah, so absolutely no Photoshop like that. No way. Okay, okay. So definitely get it right in camera and uh, just basic basically darkroom technique so contrast uh, and you know uh, stuff like that but nothing else as far as mistakes every aquascape i put together always has mistakes um you know 2020 um hindsight vision so every even the, the last one you know it was ranked 62 i look at it, i still see the mistakes so uh, i and then, and then you know that's just part of the learning process you know is part of you know becoming experienced so it, it's okay to make those mistakes as long as you learn from them right and that's an interesting thing that you just brought up um looking at your your 62 uh world ranking ieplc aquascape what what would you tweak? What would you do differently if you could make that change now? Well, I'm not gonna pick apart my own aquascape. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, believe me, I'm looking at it. I, there was one thing I would not change at all. But I'm curious uh, 
because you mentioned it in your eyes, you know, not us. I mean, we're all looking at it like, wow, this is awesome. I wouldn't change anything. But but to you personally looking at it, what what would you have done maybe differently? I mean, there there is a there is a few things. Um, there's some things with perspective that could have been better, stronger. Um, some of the lines of the plants, I would like to be stronger. They're a little bit soft. The, uh, the fish selection, too, uh, was not what I had in mind, but I had some snafus at the end um, where I was adding additional fish, ran into some issues there. So that, you know, when you're looking at it, you know, you won't see those mistakes. But I know what happened during that process and, and what I had in mind of how it was going to look and how it ended up. So, you know, there's there's a lot of things in that aquascape that, you know, I think could be improved if I set up again you know, or when I set up again, I'll, I'll use, you know, those mistakes and learn from them. Yeah. And I, I think that's an interesting, an interesting point because, you know, even a top, you know, even a high ranking IEPLC winner, you know, still has that same thought process, you know, so no matter where you are, if you're, you know, a beginner and this is your first aquascape or you're advanced and you're ranking high in the IEPLC, it's kind of universal that we all look at our work and say, oh, you know, next time I'll be able to do that uh, a little bit better. So that's, that's kind of cool. You know, we all go through the same thing. Exactly. As long as you learn from those mistakes, you'll improve. No, that's cool. And I appreciate you doing that. I didn't mean to have you pick apart your own scape. <laughs> <laughs> I'm my hardest credit. Yeah, you, there, there are a lot of hot hot debates, especially after the contest results. It's, it amazes me how... You know, it don't, it's, it's bordering on poli- political. Yeah. People ask some of these questions. I'm like, eh, I don't do politics. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, it's like picking a favorite child. <laughs> you just don't do it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, you know, I started getting wrapped up in him a little bit. and But then I was realizing I was dis- even disagreeing with myself the next day. I, <laughs> It's just what happens when you're <laughs> in that environment, you know. I buy the book every year, um, the um, IAPLC book, and it'll show. I, I want to say it shows the top two thousand. So if you haven't purchased that, you need to get a hold of it. And yeah, any beginning aquascaper really needs to get hold of that book because you'll get the top one twenty seven. But I think that's an unrealistic view, especially for a beginner. There's very few people that can pull off a skate, you know, in their first year or two without mentor oversight in that top 127 ranking. The, the execution level, you know, the amount of planning and hardscape gathering, the plant growth and all that stuff, and the photography is just beyond most people. So yeah, if you, it, it, you know, the, the new book will come out probably here. We always get it late. Like right now you can get it overseas. So it's out. Um, you can buy previous editions. And the only place I've seen it up for sale is um, Aquaforest Aquarium, which is the distributor for ADA. So I think it's like 30 bucks and it's worth every penny uh, if you want to improve your aquascaping. Um, analyze them from the back up to the front and you'll see when you look through that book, you'll understand or start to understand why does an aquascape rank like it does. 
You can find Jeff on Facebook. Just search for Jeff Miotke, M-I-O-T-K-E. He also has journals on plantedtank.net and UCAPS under the name Mott, M-O-T. And he's on Reef Central as Jay Miotke. All right, everybody. Thanks again for joining us here on the Aquascaping Podcast. Send in your comments and questions to aquascapingpodcast at gmail.com. Check us out at aquascapingpodcast.com, as well as Facebook. And all the episodes are available on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Okay, guys, have a good week, and we'll see you next time. Aquascaping.